Thanks to Blinkist for supporting the Productivity Show. Fit more listening and reading into your life with key takeaways from the best nonfiction books. Get a free seven-day trial at Blinkist.com slash TPS. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get the important things done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. I'm with Scott Rose, the inspirational nerd, and we're going to be talking about how you can lose weight efficiently without working out much. We'll be diving deeper into the ketogenic diet, a somewhat controversial diet that he and I both follow. We'll be talking about fasting and how Scott coached me through my first three-day water fast where I didn't eat anything for three days and only drank water and what kind of fat loss and other results I got from that. Here's a sneak preview. I was extremely productive, which might sound counterintuitive. In fact, I want to say that a lot of things that we discussed today might sound controversial, but I want to ask you to keep an open mind. When I first heard these ideas, it went against everything I ever learned about health, nutrition, and productivity. But once I dove deeper into the research and tried it myself, it all made sense, and I'm excited to share these ideas with you. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 244. And now, on with the show. Hey, Scott. Welcome to The Productivity Show. Tan, thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here today. I'm excited to talk about the keto lifestyle today, which is something that you introduced me to at the beginning of this year, where I was able to lose 19 pounds in two months without exercising. And I'm super excited to share some of that, of how we figured that out and how I went about that. But I learned all this stuff from you, so I'm excited to hear your story as well and what you can share with the Productivity Show audience today. That is wonderful. I'm so excited that I was able to introduce you to this lifestyle. And you also have been able to keep off that weight effortlessly. It hasn't come back at all. And your energy has been up. You've had so many other health benefits as well, which we're going to talk about later today. I'm just so excited that I was the one that turned you on to this lifestyle. And now we get to talk to your listeners about it. Yep. So one of the things we always like to do with our podcast is to start off with the top three productivity resources. So I'm curious to hear what are your top three? Okay. My top three are these. Number one, I highly recommend visiting the website dietdoctor.com. www.dietdoctor.com. This is one of the very, very best websites when it comes to the keto lifestyle. It was created by Dr. Jason Fung, who's one of my personal heroes, and another doctor as well. And it's just amazing. Dietdoctor.com, recipes, articles, resources, education. It's got everything on it. Number two, I highly recommend that everybody read the book, Eat Fat, Get Thin by Dr. Mark Hyman. Once again, the name of the book is Eat Fat, Get Thin by Dr. Mark Hyman. And then the third recommendation is not necessarily keto specific, but it's one of my favorite, favorite websites. They write articles every day on it. It's 
the Foundation for Economic Education. And their website is fee.org, F-E-E dot O-R-G. And they really take an independent thinking approach to everything that we are told by mainstream media, by pretty much everything we're, we're bombarded with on a regular basis. And they take an alternative independent approach saying, whoa, 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 wait a second. We all think that this is the case, but what do the actual numbers show us? What is the actual possible other truth behind this? And which goes along with what we're going to be talking about today, because we are going to take everything we have been told our entire lives, and we're going to turn it upside down on this show. Ooh, I'm excited about that promise. So let's... (laughs) Let's dive in. Now, before we get started, I do want to say that I'm going to give the medical disclaimer here because this is going to be an interesting, maybe for some people, controversial topic, but uh, we're not going to give medical advice here. This is strictly entertainment purposes only. If you do anything based on this podcast, please consult with your physician and doctor. So Scott, can you share a little bit about your story of how you got into this keto lifestyle? Absolutely. What I do now um, on a daily basis is I am a transformational coach for people and I help them use the keto lifestyle to bring great, great health into their lives, lose excess weight, all the stuff that I helped you with. I do that on a daily basis with everybody else. And that was the path that I went down myself in my own life. I always believed that taking care of my health was one of the greatest priorities for myself in my life. But unfortunately, like so, so many people in our society, I fell victim to the mainstream information that was given to us, that was given, that's been given to all of us for the last 70 years. And We all know what this information is because we hear it every day. We hear it a hundred times a day. Sometimes we hear it a thousand times a day, right? It's all the same stuff. It's repeated to us over and over and over again. We've, We've literally, unfortunately, been brainwashed. And it's things like count your calories, eat less, exercise more, make sure you don't get any saturated fat, you know, low fat, non fat foods, whole grains, get lots of whole grains, eliminate animal proteins. You know, the advice goes on and on. Eat six small meals a day to keep your metabolism up. Do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, you could probably think of a dozen different things that we hear every single day. And I was following all those things. And I was actually taking a lot of those things to the extreme like you see around us. I went from being a meat eater to a vegetarian. And then I took it to the next level. I became a vegan cut out all animal products, cut out all fats from my diet. I even took it one step further than that. I went to a raw vegan diet. So I was following all the mainstream information. I was eating six small meals a day. I was counting my calories. I was exercising. I was in this crazy boot camp where I was doing like two hours of intense, intense workouts, like what you see on on TV and like the, the, the biggest loser for like four or five days a week, I was doing everything you could possibly imagine. And what was the result? Was it a buff, healthy, incredibly strong, incredibly muscular Scott Rose? No, it wasn't. 
I was actually getting fatter and fatter and fatter. I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. My health, I was catching every single flu or cold that came my way. I looked terrible. I always had bags under my eyes. I was the worst possible Scott Rose you could have possibly seen. And every time things got worse, I would double down even more on these protocols. Eat less, move more, eat less saturated fats, eat more meals per day, you know, take more vitamins, do this, blah, blah, blah. And things just kept getting worse. And it wasn't until I moved to Austin, Texas, and I stumbled upon a man named John McLean. I happened to be a friend of a friend, and we met at a party, and he said something. He's written several books on this topic, by the way, as well. So you can check him out on Amazon, John McLean. We'll put it in the show notes. He said something to me that sort of blew my mind because he said it so casually and off the cuff. And it was a statement that went something like this. He said, yeah, you know, everyone could just cure all their diseases if they just ate more fat and cut all the carbs out. And he said it in such like a matter of fact way that like, oh yeah, this is such common information that everybody knows this. But it was the first time I'd ever even heard this. And so at first I chalked him up to a crazy man until I read his book. And then I started reading book after book after book after book. And all of a sudden, this entire new world had opened up to me that I had never noticed before. All these doctors around the planet have been shouting their lungs out. They have been shouting at all of us for years, 70 years, that we are doing the wrong things with our bodies for our health. And yet they have been drowned out by the mainstream information that has been presented to us. So suddenly I started going down this new path and it's, you know, it's constantly a path of new information and learning new information. And I was able to shed 25 pounds in just two months, have kept it off for years now. I regained all of my energy, all of my strength. My muscles have come back. I have so much color in my skin. The bags under my eyes are gone. I'm thin. I'm fit. I'm energetic. My brain is clear. My entire life has changed. Tim, you've actually seen the before and after of me because you've known me for 10 years. Yeah, I've known you for since the days we lived in Los Angeles, which is now many years ago. But now that we live in Austin, I've seen you from start to finish. And I've definitely noticed you losing a lot of weight. And I know that you didn't exercise that much at that time either. It wasn't like you were at the gym all the time or, you know, you were like, Hey, Tim, can we go for dinner at six o'clock so I can eat my sixth meal of the day? Or it wasn't anything <laughs> like that with some people in town. I kind of have to accommodate where they go. Hey, Tim, can we eat at seven o'clock? Cause then it's going to be perfect timing because it's an hour and a half later after my other meal. And right. you know, and it's like, Oh my gosh, guys, can we just have a good meal together and, and a good time? <laughs> right. It's so true. It's so true. And what the keto lifestyle has actually really taught me is this. It's taught me that health is so easily within our grasp. If we just do 
what Mother Nature has wanted us to do with our bodies all along. So you got into all of this because you followed the traditional path. Yes. Right. So you eat this, do that, you exercise a ton, and you were just not getting the results. You were just not losing weight. You didn't get much stronger. You weren't like looking healthier. It was actually getting worse. I was actually getting fatter. Right. So what then allowed you to open up to this information of keto, like eating high fat? Like, because that's so counterintuitive. Right. Yeah. How, how did you then open up your mind to say, okay, maybe this is something that I should look into? Yeah. So that's a really good question because here I was doing everything that mainstream science and mainstream media was telling me to do. And I was getting fatter and fatter and sicker and sicker. And I was just doubling down on the wrong information. Well, then there came a time when I hit rock bottom. I actually had some sort of stomach flu or something or stomach, maybe some food poison. I don't know, but some sort of stomach issue where I was not in good shape for like a day. And so like a good little human. I went running down to the, you know, Western medicine doctor's office and she did all these tests on me and everything came back negative. You know, I had no bacterial infection, no viral infection. She tested for everything like E. coli, all this stuff. And she's like, well, you know, just in case for preventative measures, I'm going to prescribe you, uh, this uh, antibiotic called Cipro. And I never, heard of Cipro before. And so I took this antibiotic. Turns out that Cipro and this entire class of antibiotics known as fluoroquinolones, they are some of the most destructive and dangerous drugs on the entire planet. They were not even designed as antibiotics. They were originally created as chemotherapy drugs. And then they were repurposed as an anthrax drug to help people who were put in a coma from anthrax is like this is like taking out like a gigantic machine gun to like swat a fly these drugs have been banned in many different countries they have warnings all over them by the fda but they're still on the market anyways she gave me to the she gave me this drug because i had a little stomach upset and this thing wreaked havoc on my body. At this point, it damaged some of the tendons. So this Cipro drug, it damaged some of the tendons in my in my legs and my shoulders. I still have some tendon problems to this day. It caused me to have temporary nerve damage in my fingers and my toes. It caused me to have brain fog. I wasn't able to walk without pain. I had pain throughout my legs. I had chronic fatigue. Suddenly, I had tons and tons of real serious problems. And what I realized was I I wanted to come up with some way to get out of all this pain. You know, I think a lot of times the biggest changes in our life come from when we're in very, very painful situations, the most pain. It's when we're motivated to make the biggest changes. And as I kept researching more and more about you know, these terrible side effects of Cipro and these other drugs that are in this same class as Cipro, um, I was really losing hope that there was going to be any solution. I had like a list of like 10 or 12 different symptoms. 
that were really, really bad. And I, you know, decided right away I was no longer going to trust Western medicine or what the mainstream tells me to do. And I was going to go on an independent path because they were not providing any solutions and I was already in terrible shape and I wasn't going to go back in their arms again for them to give me more drugs to combat what they had already done to me with the first drug. So long story short, I started really waking up as an independent thinker for the first time in my life. I thought that I was an independent thinker before, but I didn't realize how much I really wasn't an independent thinker. And so I started researching on nutritional cures to all these different symptoms I had and other you know, herbal cures and vitamin cures and all these different things. And the more I discovered and the more I kept reading and the more I kept learning, I suddenly realized that there was this entire wealth of information out there I knew nothing about. And it all came down to that we can have ultimate health within our bodies by changing our nutrition and our lifestyle, but not in the way that we hear every single day. And so what happened was I started playing around with this high fat, low carb diet. I started experimenting with the keto lifestyle and suddenly my symptoms were getting better. And I kept going down the rabbit hole and down the rabbit hole and down the rabbit hole. And I realized that the way I had been eating, the way I had been living, the way, the things I had been doing, everything I had been doing wrong all this time. And I personally believe that it was my switch to the keto lifestyle and intermittent fasting, which is part of the keto lifestyle, as what really saved my health and regained my entire health from this bad drug experience where I was walking around in pain for years and I finally reversed almost all of the symptoms and put me on a whole new path of health success. And now I feel really, really honored and blessed that I get to help other people regain their health in their lives as well with my keto coaching Mm, yeah. Does that make does that resonate with you? Have you, do you have you had that experience before? I have it myself and I see this all the time with people who come to us when they come to Asian Efficiency or they first discover the podcast, the Productivity Show, and they've tried all the traditional time management techniques, they tried the traditional productivity strategies and it doesn't seem to be working for them because a lot of times the stuff that they hear about or learn about is outdated. Whereas what we teach is designed for the modern knowledge worker. It's designed for the technology that we have today. Because information overwhelm wasn't a thing, you know, five, (laughs) six, seven years ago, but it is, you know, it is today. And I find the same thing to be true for health. There's a lot of information out there that is outdated, just not correct anymore. And one of those is just the ideas of eating fat is bad. Because I grew up just like you thinking, oh, you know, you got to eat proteins, you got to eat a lot of carbs. And now knowing what I know now about the keto lifestyle, actually that's totally not true. But it took a lot of brain power to process that eating fat does not make you fat. But the word fat Mm -hmm. makes it so confusing. 
Exactly. It was such a struggle when you first introduced me to this keto diet. That doesn't make any sense because eating fat makes me fat. That's what I was told or that's what I believed at least. Exactly. We have all been told this information for so long. And when you think about it, it's so, so easy to believe it, right? Because there's, because it's the word fat. You eat fat, you must gain fat. It's, it's, it sounds so logical, but what actually is the fat that is on our bodies? Well, I'm going to give you the answer in one second, but I do want to say this for, for, for a moment. When we eat blueberries, we, we don't turn blue, right? Our skin doesn't turn blue. When we drink green juice, we don't become green-skinned. When we eat chicken, we don't slowly start morphing into a chicken, right? Like, there, like nothing else do we take into our body and we think that that is going to become that thing within our body. But we've all been tricked and misled into thinking that we eat fat, guess what? You're going to become fat. Just like when you eat that chicken, you're going to become a chicken. <laughs> it's actually it's actually not true at all. What is the fat that is on our body? The, if people walk away from this podcast with only one thing in their head, this is the thing to remember. This will This will forever change you. The fat that you have on your body is stored carbs and stored sugar. So I just want to repeat that. The fat on your body is not the fat that you ate. The fat on your body are the carbs and the sugar that you ate. That's it. In fact, the very, very interesting thing of all is that the body has no capability to store fat that you eat. It is either used by your body for energy or you poop it out. That's right. We just said poop it out on your on your podcast, Tan. So what I want people to know is that when you eat fat, your body doesn't store that in your fat cells. Your fat cells are designed to store carbs and sugar. If people turn out the podcast right now, which we don't want them to, but if they did, that is the best information that they can walk away with. So when we talk about the keto lifestyle, we talk about the ketogenic diet. We talk about keto as if it's kind of a normal thing for us now, but for most people, they often hear it as the ketogenic lifestyle or ketogenic diet, I should say. Right. And keto is just the abbreviation of that. And then we talk about usually fasting as well, intermittent fasting or some sort of fasting as well. And that's what you consider a keto lifestyle. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. I consider the keto lifestyle a combination of two different things. Number one is what you eat. And number two is when you eat. One of the funny things is many, many, many people overlook the when you eat part of it. And that is just as important, if not more important than what you eat. So it is two things. The keto diet, uh, the ketogenic lifestyle is what you eat versus when you eat. Now, what's interesting is a lot of people will say, oh, this is just another one of those fad diets. You know, this is keto is having its day in the sun right now and it's going to fade away just like all the other diets. But the thing is, the reason I, I personally dislike even calling it the keto diet or the keto lifestyle, those are probably our best two phrases for it anyways, of course. But I, I hate calling it that because 
really the keto lifestyle is simply the way that we were designed to eat and simply the way we were designed to live by mother nature. We were evolutionarily designed for the keto lifestyle. A lot of people think paleo was the way that we were designed. Paleo is very, very close to keto, but it's not the full way. Like paleo is sort of like one step away from keto. So paleo has it mostly right, but in my opinion, keto has it 100% right, how we were meant to live. So when it comes to the keto lifestyle then, what are you advocating that people really do? Is it just eating fat, no carbs? Is it like fasting all day, every day? Like what do you actually envision people take away from this podcast when you say keto lifestyle? Right. So going back to those two things, right? Number one, what to eat. Number two, when to eat. Number one, what to eat. The basic takeaway is high fat, low carb, medium protein diet. So what I mean by that is high fat, 80% of your calories should come from fat. And I'm not talking about trans fats. Trans fats are the bad fats to avoid. I'm talking about the healthy fats. Saturated fats are healthy. They protect all the cells in the body. So saturated fats are demonized by the press, but they are actually the healthiest fats that you can possibly give to your body. So when I say healthy fats, I am including the saturated fats in there. The fats you want to avoid are the trans fats and any fats that come from vegetable oils, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So what to eat? You want a high fat, low carb, medium protein diet. And when I say low carb, we usually want people to stay under 20 grams of carbs, of net carbs per day. Net carbs is when you subtract fiber from the equation. So, for example, you might look at vegetables. You'd be like, oh my God, these vegetables, these green leafy vegetables, they're so, so high in carbs. Well, no, you want to look at net carbs. So those green leafy vegetables are also extremely high in fiber. So you get net carbs by taking the total carbs minus the fiber, and that equals the net carbs. So high fat Medium protein, low carb. You want to keep low carb under 20 grams of carbs per day. I know what people are thinking right now. Oh my gosh, I cannot eat bread. I can't have a sandwich anymore. I can't eat pasta anymore. Right, right, right. It's it's terrifying, right? You know, not only is that terrifying, but to me, not only was that terrifying for me, what you just said, but what was even more terrifying was this horrible feeling inside my gut that I had been doing everything wrong my entire life, which is probably why I shut out the information for so long. Because I think the hardest, hardest thing of all is accepting to ourselves that maybe we have been doing everything wrong for decades. And maybe we have even told other people the wrong thing. And it's just horrifying to say, oh my gosh, not only do I have to cut out all this bread and pasta and all this stuff, but I have been promoting all this And it is an integral part of my lifestyle for all this time. Now, there are many, many substitutes. If you do really, you know, want to make that stuff, you can make stuff with coconut flour, almond flour. You can make pancakes with like cottage cheese and psyllium husk. You know, these are things that are, you know, much lower in carbs. 
you could still get like with pasta you can even get zucchini pasta so there are substitutions like instead of mashed potatoes which everyone loves you can do mashed cauliflower instead unbelievably delicious mashed cauliflower just melted in ton you know melt tons and tons of butter on top of it and maybe some garlic and salt it's just incredible and mashed cauliflower tastes just as great as mashed potatoes but there's almost zero carbs in it and you add a ton of butter to it Mm, mm, and mm. tastes delicious absolutely in fact if you're out there wondering, and we're going to give you a lot of food recommendations too, but if you're out there wondering, how can I make a meal high fat? Because almost anywhere you go in society, restaurants, the grocery store, everything's about low fat, non-fat, low fat, non-fat. It's, it's not really until you get in your own kitchen you can really take control over it. But let's say you are out and you're, you have this meal and there's like no fat on your meal at all. How can you turn any meal into an instant high fat meal? All you got to do is pour tons of olive oil. On whatever you're eating and suddenly that just became a high fat meal or just take an entire stick of butter chop it up put it on top of your meal and you just turn that meal into a high fat meal so those are two of my quick little keto hacks you want to take a low fat meal instantly turn it into a high fat meal put a stick of butter on it pour you know a half cup of olive oil a full sometimes i put like you know three quarters of a cup of olive oil onto a meal and boom you just got yourself a high fat meal. I find it so difficult when I first heard about you doing this whole keto thing. I thought, man, this is so counterintuitive. This doesn't make any sense. And I remember even one day you said to me, Tiana, I just finished this whole jar of, I think it was almond butter or pecan butter. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, maybe 2000 calories or something. And you did this for many weeks. I remember and just kept eating all this fatty food. And I, you know, I kept seeing you every now and then. I thought, man, this guy is still dropping weight. What is going on? This doesn't make any sense. And so it was just so counterintuitive. And I, that's why I asked you not too long ago about how, like, how did you get open to this information? Because when I think about my own journey of this, the reason I got motivated was, one, I started working out with a personal trainer last year. And he told me to eat X, Y, and Z, eat, 200 grams of carbs every day and eat 2000 calories a day. And and I started doing that and I started putting on a lot of weight and Mm -hmm. some of it was muscle. A lot of it was also extra body fat. And Mm -hmm. I thought, man, this doesn't make any sense. Like I'm training four times a week with a personal trainer. We're doing all the major lifts, right? Like squats, deadlifts, bench press, rows, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, I mean, I, I am getting bigger. People are actually telling me I'm getting bigger too. Mm-hmm. My clothes are not fitting for the most part anymore. So I gained literally like 15 pounds or something in a matter of a couple of weeks. And I do measure every time I come into the gym seeing, okay, my muscle mass is growing, but my body fat is growing as well. And I'm thinking, man, what is, like, why can I not just put on muscle like this, you know? And people talk about dirty bulking and all that stuff. Like, I get it. And then I stopped going to the gym because I was traveling and then I got my injury, right? I dislocated my shoulder. So I knew that I had to get surgery. And I talked about this in another podcast episode with uh, Garrett of NewFit. And I knew that I was not able to work out for the next six months. But I also knew from previous times when I had this injury before, where I was out for a couple of weeks, 
that it was very easy for me to gain weight because I can just, you know, eat a ton of ice cream and candy that I love and easily put on weight. But I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to let it slide this time. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to keep myself thin or keep myself regularly in normal mode, not actually blow myself up mm-hmm. from eating all this carbs and sugars and whatnot. And so that's when I was open for the keto lifestyle. Mm. And that's when I started reaching out to you and doing my own research and started experimenting with that. And then I still remember that day reading about, and you telling me as well, eat less than 25 grams of carbs every day. I'm thinking, man, when I eat one slice of bread, that, <laughs> that is 25 grams of carbs right there. Yep. So how the hell do you not eat all these things and stay under 25 grams? Because it just seems like everything is carb nowadays. But I was so motivated to not put on weight that I just stuck with it. And I kind of had to learn through actually doing it that eating fat was not making me fatter because I was starting to see that I was losing weight very quickly. Within the first week, I dropped like six, seven pounds. Most of that is water, excess water. But then after that, it just kept dropping. And it was only through actually doing it that I started to believe that eating fat does not make me fat. Yeah, you really described the phenomenon, which is that there are so many people that work out at the gym, right? And they're building muscles, they're building muscles, they're building muscles, but it's underneath a growing layer of fat. And if there's one other takeaway from this podcast that I would love for everyone to walk away with, it's this one question. Why has there never been a reunion show for the TV show, The Biggest Loser? Right? We're all familiar with this hit TV show, The Biggest Loser. And I got this question from Dr. Jason Fung, who's one of my personal heroes, because he talks about this topic all the time. And we all know this show, The Biggest Loser, right? People come on, they're hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and they put them through a strict, strict regimen of exercising a zillion hours a day, right? And they're only allowed to eat like 20 calories per day or whatever. I'm, I'm, cl- I'm obviously exaggerating these numbers. But the thing is, they're working out, working out, working out, working out, working out. They're eating so little. And so basically, they're following conventional advice that we've been told our whole lives. Exercise more, eat less. Move more, eat less. And if you're gaining weight, it's your fault because you're eating too much or you're exercising too little. Okay, that's fine. So the biggest loser, season After season after season, this show has been on. It's always a gigantic hit in many countries around the world. Never a reunion show. Why is that? Because every single one of those contestants has gained back all of their weight and then some. They've gotten even bigger after the show was off the air. And the reason you don't hear about this is because all those contestants signed legal contracts with the studio They are not allowed to have media appearances. They are not allowed to talk about their post-show experience. They would get sued by the studios. So they have to remain quiet and silent as they've regained all of their weight back again. And it all comes down to the myth, which is the calorie myth. It's the one we all live under our entire lives. And... I really believe it's such a crime that the U.S. government now requires restaurants to post calorie numbers on all the menus everywhere at every restaurant that you go to. 
maybe not every restaurant, maybe not mom and pop restaurants don't have to do that. There's some law now that like, I think if you're a chain restaurant, I don't know what the exact law is, but the point is everywhere you go now, they list calorie counts. And this is such a crime because we're not going to go too deep into the U.S. government today, but the U.S. government is the whole reason that all of us are in this obesity problem right now. 75% of people in America are fat or obese, and our top killers in this country are type 2 diabetes, which can be completely and totally reversed with the keto lifestyle, but also heart attacks and strokes. Heart attacks and strokes are actually caused by carbs and sugar clogging the arteries. It's not the fat that is clogging the arteries. I know we just lost like half the listeners right now. So that's BS. That's BS, right? But it's actually true. It's actually the carbs and the sugar which cause the inflammation of the arteries. It's not the fat. It is not the fat. So going back to the U.S. government with this whole calorie thing, they were paid off by people. It all comes down to money. And you could learn more about this in the book, The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teichholz. I don't actually know how to pronounce her last name. It's in our show notes, The Big Fat Surprise. She's an investigative journalist. She talks about how the U.S. government was paid off for years and years and years to give us the wrong information. It all comes down to money. If you're being paid millions and millions and millions of dollars in your own personal pocket to set policy, which is going to make people sick, so many people, not myself, but so many people would choose the money over the truth. But you can read more about that in The Big Fat Surprise or else we'll spiral out of control with the U.S. government. But they're all in on it. You know, the American Heart Association, the American Diabetes Association. Where do they get their money from? They get their money from the carb and grain companies, General Mills, Kellogg's, Pepsi Cola. These are the people giving money to the American Heart Association. Like it's it's such BS. But that is the stuff that causes heart attacks. It's not the fat. So. Getting back to the calorie myth, also given to us by the U.S. government, we've been told, simply eat less calories. There's two problems with this. Number one is that it assumes that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. It's assuming that one calorie from a Coca-Cola is the same as a calorie from a piece of bread, which is the same as a calorie from a piece of chicken. And that's not true because fat calories, carb calories, and protein calories are all treated differently by the human body. But the other problem with it is that it assumes that calories are what cause obesity. And it's not true. Obesity and these other diseases are caused by hormonal imbalances in the human body, not caloric imbalances. So the way to fix obesity is to fix the hormonal imbalances in your body, not caloric imbalances. The body doesn't care how many calories you take in as long as they're the right calories. As long as those calories are high fat, medium protein, and very, very, very low carb. You could be taking in 6,000 calories of fat every day and you would not gain weight it's not the number of calories it's the type of calories 
That is mind-blowing when I first heard this because, again, I could not believe what you were just saying at that time because I always thought counting calories, that's the way you're going to lose weight, right? So if you're eating 2,000 calories a day, you slowly start to drop to 1,800, then to 1,600 or whatever, 1,400, and then you just keep at that for a while and then you start losing weight. And that does work because a lot of people have been able to lose weight because of that. But as you and I have talked about, in private is just not sustainable. Yeah, there's actually a couple things. Number one, it's not sustainable. And number two, it actually, if you start restricting calories, it actually puts your body into starvation mode where your body's metabolism drops so, so low because your calorie intake is so low that at that point, you really have got painted yourself into a corner. It's not sustainable. If you ever eat calories that go above what your body's metabolism is, you're going to be putting on weight. And it's because you've actually screwed up the hormonal signals in your body at that point. Your metabolism is just so incredibly low. There's something I like to do if you can get out a piece of paper. It's a simple, very, very simple mathematical formula. And we've all gotten it wrong in our heads. If you even have basic algebra skills, you've probably seen this formula before because I'm just using variables here. (laughs) Write down on a piece of paper, X minus Y equals Z, right? Very simple, basic algebraic formula, right? And now, Tan, I'd like you to give me a number for X. I'm writing this down on this piece of paper here. 1,500. Great. 1,500 for X. And now give me a number for Y. 1800. Okay, 1800. So 1500 minus 1800 equals Z, which is negative 300, right? Yep. So what you just gave me there was calories in minus calories out equals weight gain or weight loss for the day, right? That, that's why you chose those numbers, right? So you're thinking, okay, calories in, I'm going to take in 1500 calories. But I'm going to burn 1,800 calories a day through exercise. So that means by the end of the day, I'm going to be at a 300-calorie deficit. And that means that whatever that equates to in pounds, that's how many pounds I've lost for the day, right? And that's what everybody thinks. And I actually set it up that way for you because it was a little bit of a trick, right? I asked you what X was and I asked you what Y was. And that was the trick because everybody on the planet thinks that we control X and Y, right? We say, hey, I'm eating this many calories in, that's X, and I'm burning this many calories, that's Y, and therefore my body will respond with Z, weight gain or weight loss. And that's it. It's as simple as that. End of story. Let's go watch some great show on Netflix. However, this is what we have been misled on. We don't control Y, the letter Y in that equation. X minus Y equals Z. Guess what? We control X and Z. We don't control the Y. Our body controls how many calories we will burn in a day. Not us. We don't get to say how many calories we burn in a day. What we do get to do is we get to take in X. We can definitely control how many calories we take in. But we also control Z, 
what we want our body weight to be. Z is really what we want our ultimate body weight to be. It's our body set weight. This makes no freaking sense at all, right? Dr. Jason Fung talks about this in almost all of his books. He's written many, many books. And he talks about this in most of his videos. He's got his own blog and everything. He talks about this all the time. We all know we can control X, the number of calories we take in. But how is it that we control Z? How do we control that number that's on the other side of the equal sign? That, that seems impossible, right? Like that doesn't even make sense. We control it by our insulin levels in our body. So this is where it's starting to get maybe a little technical. So I'm just going to try to keep this as like layperson friendly as possible. You know, I don't want to get bogged people down with too many technical words. But the more fat that we include in our diets, along with less carbs, right? So if you're doing a high fat, low carb diet, what you end up doing in your body is you end up lowering your insulin levels and you make your insulin more sensitive. These are good things. You want your insulin to be low and you want it to be sensitive. These are good things. And when you do that, the lower your insulin drops in your body and stays at a low level, you're telling your body that you want to be thin. And you're telling your body, keep me at this weight. At this weight, in quotes, meaning this lower weight, a thin weight. So what's happening is when you actually adjust your diet to be a high-fat, low-carb diet, you are telling your body that you want to be at a thin weight and you want to no longer have excess fat on your body. So that's the Z value. So you're taking calories at X. You tell your body what you want your weight to be, which is Z, and then your body figures out how many calories you need to burn in a day with Y. It will adjust accordingly while you sleep at night. If you take in too little calories, your body will actually shut down processes in your body in order to meet whatever it thinks that Z needs to be, whether that Z, a lot of times for most people, that Z is really high, so it's trying to keep you fat. Your body is trying to keep most people fat because they're eating high-carb diets. And as a result of that, it will start shutting down processes within your body to, to make sure that you remain fat. This is why when people diet a lot, they get cold, they get lethargic, they are angry, they're hangry, they're cranky. It's because their body is shutting down processes and all they want to do is sleep. Body's like, just go to sleep. Just go to sleep so I can burn less calories. And then they try to exercise on top of that. And so their body shuts down internal processes even more like heat generation, you know, heartbeats, the heartbeat slows down, all sorts of things. Hair starts falling out. Anything the body can do to preserve calories at that point. I've seen this anecdotally in my own life. And again, this is one of those counterintuitive things again, like I mentioned, because when I saw you eating 3000 calories a day of just pecan butter and almond butter, I thought, man, this, this guy is going to get so fat. He does not even know it yet. <laughs> right. And I was eating sticks of butter in front of you. Yep. Coconut oil, spoonfuls of coconut oil. I remember one time, after dinner, you were like, oh, man, I'm still hungry. Let me uh, let me get some whipped cream somewhere. 
So we go to Whole Foods. He buys this whole pack of whipped cream, just finishes it right in front of me. And I'm like, dude, that is 1,400 calories right there. Like, how did it? This makes no sense, right? Oh, and to clarify, not whipped cream, which has sugar. That was heavy whipping cream with no sugar added. Yeah, yeah. FYI. Yeah. 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 And I was thinking, man, this guy's going to get so fat. This is this is no no bueno. No good. No, no good. And I've seen other examples in my life as well where you were talking about insulin as well. And I know this person who she's she's a little bit, not a little bit, she's pretty overweight. And she tried so many different things, even cutting down calories. And she was never happy with that. Always moody and cranky. And she wasn't able to lose weight at all, even though she did all the right things. Again, yeah. similar to your story, right? Same yeah. thing with me when I was working with that trainer and stuff. I'm thinking, man, what is going on? And then as soon as she started getting on the keto diet, she started dropping a lot of weight. And the whole calorie thing was still a real big challenge for me to believe because, again, from reading all the fitness books and the health books and, and all that, it just got ingrained. And when I was doing the keto thing, again, I learned through actually doing it myself that eating fat does not make me fat. Like I had to really reinforce that belief by actually going through it myself. So I thought to myself, you know what? Let's let's try an experiment. I'm going to eat 3,500 calories a day, hmm. mostly fat, very low carb, and then see what happens right? for just one week. And just test the theory, like just like how you were eating. And the reason that gave me a little bit of confidence was because I was already following the keto lifestyle for a while and I saw my weight dropping. So I knew kind of like it wasn't fat that was making me fat, but I still wanted to see what kind of effect calories would have, right? So I started eating 3,500 calories a day, which with fatty foods is actually not super difficult, mm-hmm. but it was still a lot of food though, right? And I tried to do it in the four to six hour eating window every single day because I try to fast like 18 hours a day if I can. So I started eating roughly 3,500 calories a day and I started measuring my weight every day. And guess what? After one week, mm-hmm. I was like the exact same weight <laughs> as I was a week earlier. And I thought, oh man, I ate so mm-hmm. much more in terms of calories and I still didn't gain any weight. And so after that experiment, I was a big believer in the sense that Calories do not matter. They do not matter at all except for the type of calories that you're eating, right? The body doesn't understand number of calories. If you end up eating 3,500 of fat calories during the day, your body will simply heat itself up at night while you're sleeping to burn those off. It doesn't care how many you take in. Your body's goal, if you're eating the right foods, is to keep you at the same level weight, the weight that you told your body you wanted to be at. Yes. And you said this earlier where once you start to eat high fat and increase your calories, you start to feel warmer, right? So the opposite, what you said earlier was if you eat fewer calories, you start to get cold. And if you do any sort of fasting, you probably notice this too. If you do any sort of long-term fasting in the beginning, you kind of feel cold a little bit. And, and when I was increasing my calories that particularly, I felt hot all the time. Right? Mm-hmm. When you talk to overweight people, they talk all the time how they're always so hot, yes. like they're sweating. And guess what? Their metabolism is actually the highest as well. Exactly. Fat people have the highest metabolism. You know what's interesting is that you bring us into the other topic, which is when to eat. Because this is one way that I like to sum it up. And you just totally said it perfectly in your anecdote from your own life. 
What I like to say is when you eat a high-fat, low-carb diet, that will prevent your body from gaining new weight. And you saw that in your own life. You ate 3,500 calories of fat every day for a week and you were exactly the same weight. You did not put on any new weight at all. And I will add, it was delicious eating. Absolutely delicious. Keto pizza, keto ice cream. Oh my gosh. Lots of cheese. Oh yeah. All lots of nuts. Bacon, bacon, bacon. Guac. Man, Avocados. It was, it was delicious. But uh, oh, we'll, we'll yeah. talk a little bit about foods and what to eat in just a moment. But yeah. continue. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I know we're going to talk about food in a second, but you're right. It's basically the food that tastes the best to us are actually the healthiest. You know? I know sugar tastes good, too. We'll talk about that in a second. That's a whole different thing. Thanks to Blinkist for supporting the Productivity Show. We talk a lot about reading a lot on the podcast because we believe it's one of the best ways to develop yourself. Here's the problem, though. It can be hard to find the time to actually sit down and read more. You might think that you don't have the time to read a book and develop yourself, but the Blinkist app helps to solve this problem. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways and need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them so you can read or listen to 15-minute segments. You know how many books, especially productivity books, have a few key ideas that are great, but then there's a bunch of filler to make it book length? That's where Blinkist comes to the rescue. Blinkist is for busy people who only want to get the main points from a book quickly without having to read the entire thing. There's even an audio feature so you can listen to the highlights if that works better for you. Blinkist has a massive and growing library from nonfiction topics like self-help, business, health, and history. Here's an example. Blinkist has The Power of Habit by Charles Dewey condensed to a 15-minute read so you can learn to pick up or drop any habit you wish. Another blink I like from the productivity and time management section is what the most successful people do before breakfast by Laura Vanderkam. That one has over 70,000 reads in Blinkist. I like Blinkist because in about 15 minutes, I can get what I need from a book and I can send it right to my Kindle. I also like that I can listen to it instead of reading it so that I can consume it on the go or while doing other things. For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash TPS to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash TPS to start your free seven-day trial. So you had so much fun during that week. And you still have fun because we are eating all the most delicious foods and we don't gain a pound. So when you eat high fat, low carb, you no longer gain weight, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be losing weight. That comes to the other side of the equation and that comes down to intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is when you can actually start burning the fat that you already have on your body. And the, one of the other problems we've gotten into in our society is we've all been told to eat grains, breads, carbs, all good for us, you know, complex carbs and whole grain, sprouted grain, bread. 
it's all, it all has the same negative effect on our bodies. In fact, breads are actually worse for us than table sugar, which is hard to believe, but it's true. So the thing is, is that not only have we been told all the wrong things to eat, we've also been told all the wrong times to eat. We've been told crazy things like, Never skip breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. Eat six small meals a day. Keep your metabolism up. If you get out of bed, you need to eat within 10 minutes of getting out of bed. You know, eat right before you go to sleep at night, blah, blah, blah. We are told, you know, eat, 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 eat. Always have a snack with you. Make sure you have a mid-morning snack and a midnight snack and a mid-afternoon snack. Eat, 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 eat. That is the worst possible thing we can do. If you look back evolutionarily... Believe it or not, we did not have McDonald's around every corner <laughs> and access to food 24-7 through most of human history. This is a really relatively new phenomenon for our species that we have finally solved the food problem. We have access to food every second of every day wherever we go, essentially. And that's not how our bodies were designed. Our bodies were designed to go through periods of fasting and feasting. I mean, if we weren't designed that way we would never have survived as a species right because like one freezing winter when you're living in the caves and you can't get out to try to find something some animal to kill to eat right one bad winter and the whole population will be wiped out that's not true we were designed to fast and that's actually why we gain fat so easily from carbs and sugar. When you think about it, the way our human bodies were designed to work is this. We were designed to get excess sugar during the summer months when fruits were easily available to us. So we'd eat all these fruits, we'd eat all this sugar, and we actually would gain weight during the summer months. But then the winter months come and the fruit is no longer available Crops are all snowed over. We might not be able to find animals to kill. We might not even be able to get through the snow ourselves. It's at that point that our body starts utilizing our stored fat as fuel. In other words, a much simpler way to describe it is this. All that stored fat that's on our bodies, all that fat is simply stored meals for future usage. Those are emergency meals for our body. Yet, they're not really even emergency. It's just the way our bodies were designed to work. So they say that if you have one pound of fat on your body, they say, I think that's like the equivalent of like two meals or something like that. I actually am not 100% sure on this on this number, but... Think about that. Let's let's just go with that for a moment. Let's say that one pound of fat in your body is approximately two stored meals. And I could be wrong on that number. That means that if you are like 30 pounds overweight, that is something like 60 stored meals waiting for your body to eat. You can skip 60 meals in a row and your body would have all that delightful stored fat to use as its meals. And you've probably noticed this experience yourself, is that the longer you fast, Tan, the actual less hungry you get and the more energy you get. Yes, I've seen this many times. And for 
those listening who don't know what we're talking about, intermittent fasting is the whole idea of you eat in an eight hour window and you basically don't eat for 16 hours of your day. And so, that's a good way to start off. Eventually you might get up to, we'll get up to other numbers, 24 hour fasting, 36 hour fasting. We'll talk about that in a second, but right, 16, eight is a great way to start. Yep. So that's why sometimes you might hear about people saying, oh, you know, you should just skip breakfast because then you can fast a little bit longer, right? Most people, if they've never done any sort of fasting, they usually eat in a 12-hour window, right? So let's say they have a 7 a.m. breakfast and then their last meal of the day is 7 p.m., right? So you eat in a 12-hour window essentially, but then you also only fast for 12 hours. Whereas let's say you skip your 7 a.m. breakfast and you move it to, let's say, 11 a.m., right? And then still have your dinner at 7 p.m., now that's an eight hour window, which means you're eating within that time window, which means other parts of the 24 hours you're fasting, you're not eating. So that's what we mean with intermittent fasting for those who don't know. Absolutely. And now some people that might be, are listening to this might be thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. I've tried going two hours once without eating and my body was shaking. You know, I got that low blood sugar thing. I had to get a granola bar, I had to get a protein bar. Like I was literally shaking and I I can't even operate. How, what, how are you guys saying go 16 hours without eating? Well, if your body is used to eating carbs and we call that being carb adapted, if you are carb adapted, you're absolutely right. You will not, there's no way you'll be able to go 16 hours of fasting. It's I mean, you may be able to. It's extremely, extremely, extremely difficult. You are going to be starving. Your stomach is going to be growling. Your body is going to be saying, get me food. And you'll probably be shaking a lot. Like I used to shake if I went more than two hours without eating because I was eating carbs all the time and sugar all the time. And the thing about that is here you are. You're an obese person or you're a fat person. You've got all these stored meals sitting around your gut, around your butt, in your chin, under your arms, on your shoulder. You've got fat everywhere, and they're all stored meals. But the thing is, if you're not used to eating a high-fat, low-carb diet, your body doesn't know how to access your fat yet for its meals. Similar to this, this is, a, this is an analogy this is another Dr. Jason Fung analogy. He talks about those big gas tankers you see driving down the highway. You know, those, the, you know, those gigantic gas tankers that are going to the gas stations to fill up all the pumps with gas. You know what I'm talking about, the big trucks that say Shell or Arco on it or whatever. Well, here's the funny thing that people don't think about. That big gigantic gas tanker on the highway, it can run out of gas. Right? It can run out of gas and be sitting on the side of the road waiting for someone to fill it up with gas. It's carrying a tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of gas on its back, but the tanker itself can run out of gas because that gas that's on its back is not fueling the car. That's just like fat people and obese people, right? They've got tons and tons and tons of fat on their body but their body doesn't yet know that that is actually fuel. It doesn't, the body doesn't yet know that that is future meals. 
the body doesn't know that it can tap into all that fat and satiate itself and nourish itself. And the way you train your body to access that fat is the keto lifestyle. Number one, high fat, low carb. That trains your body into knowing, oh my God, fat is a fuel source. Fat is a fuel source. Fat is a fuel source. And then intermittent fasting, starting off by not eating for 16 hours and eating for only eight hours a day. And then moving that up to 24 hours where maybe you only eat one meal a day. You go dinner to dinner to dinner to dinner. And when you do that, during those periods of non-eating, your body suddenly has the wisdom to say, oh my God, I'm not hungry at all. I'm not lethargic at all. I've got tons of fat on this body to eat. Yum, yum, all this delicious, all this delicious fat that's on this person's butt. And so your body then is fat adapted. And whenever you're not eating, it will eat its own fat for fuel. I almost died laughing right here. <laughs> when I did. Well, that is so true. Yes. And I realized that from my own experience as well, where, okay, if I just eat high fat, low carb, so I eat mostly keto, I do lose some weight, like mostly water weight, because when you go low carb, you start to lose all this excess water very quickly. So a lot of the times when you see people starting off on keto and they lose a lot of weight in the beginning, it's usually because it's a lot of excess water, which anybody who's done any sort of bodybuilding can attest, you know, carbs hold a lot of water, right? So when I was uh, in the Netherlands a couple of weeks ago, my brother, who's an avid bodybuilder, he did a fitness photo shoot and he was basically following keto up to the photo shoot for a couple of weeks because he wanted to lean out as much as possible and get rid of all the excess water and stuff like that. And then the day before the photo shoot, he started carb loading. He started eating a lot of carbs and drink very minimal water. And the reason he did that is because it, the carbs take in all the water and then you look more lean in the pictures. And I thought, oh, that is really interesting. So that was just another example of that. But basically, yes, I agree. Like only eating high fat, low carb will make you lose weight. But if you combine it with fasting, like intermittent fasting or one meal a day, some people call it OMAD, O-M-A-D, if you've mm -hmm. seen that term come across, then the weight loss is almost accelerated. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and 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 by the way, while you're doing, during that fasting period, you are allowed to have like water, a little bit of bone broth. You can have black coffee, black tea, green tea. Just don't add sugar or cream to that stuff. And that makes it a lot easier to do OMAD one meal a day because if you're just sitting there drinking green tea all day, you know, that's actually really satiating. And by the way, the best book that I have read, there's a lot of books on fasting now. The best one that I read is another Dr. Jason Fung book. I've been mentioning him a few times. It's his book called The Complete Guide to Fasting. I actually read all of his books. I, I love all of his books. But that one in particular is a fantastic resource for intermittent fasting. It's called The Complete Guide to Fasting. You know, when I work with my clients in my keto coaching business, there's often some hesitancy about why... Can't I just accept my body the way it is? I'm beautiful at any size. 
You know, and if I accept myself, maybe this is really just a problem with me just accepting who I am. I'm a big person. I'm an obese person. And the thing is, you know, there is some truth that we should all be really self-loving ourselves. You know, we should always be talking kindly to ourselves and really loving us no matter where we are in our life journey or what we look like. And so there is a lot of truth to that. But the thing is, is that this isn't just about weight loss. This isn't just about making you look prettier on the outside. It's about making you healthier and giving you a longer, healthier life with very, very few health complications down the line. Because obesity is caused by insulin resistance. Uh, We're not going to get too technical again, but obesity is caused by these hormones in our body. But obesity is sort of like the canary in the coal mine. If you are fat, if you are obese, what this actually means is your lifestyle is not only causing you to be fat and obese, but guess what? Your lifestyle is actually also going to lead to heart attacks, type 2 diabetes, strokes, and many different types of cancer. And did I say Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, they actually consider that type 3 diabetes now. All of these things, all of those things I just named are caused by carbs and sugar. So it's not just obesity. It's not just how beautiful you look on the outside. I want you to look more beautiful. Yes, that's great. But I really want you to be more healthy. I want to prevent you from having a heart attack. Heart disease, strokes, Alzheimer's, these things were unheard of 75 years ago. It was not heard of at all 100 years ago. I think there was one incident of heart disease. Like it wasn't even studied by doctors. And it's because people were eating real foods that are high in fat and medium in protein. They were eating lard. They were eating pork. They were eating chicken with the skin on. That's where the fat is. They were eating fatty fishes. They were eating lots and lots of butter. And even though, yes, they did eat a little bit of bread here and there, they fasted long enough that it didn't have a chance to screw up the hormones in their body. Because when I was growing up in the 70s, we would stop eating at 7 p.m. There were no snacks after 7 p.m. And we didn't eat again until maybe 9 a.m. I was always running late for school, so I didn't eat again probably till lunchtime at school. So I was naturally intermittent fasting for 15 hours or whatever every day. We also were not brainwashed into six small meals a day. Worst advice you can give somebody. So the thing is, this ends up resulting in an overall health improvement. I've worked with so many different people now, and just a few weeks ago, one of my best friends, I work with friends as well, and one of my best friends was able to reverse his type 2 diabetes because of going on the keto lifestyle. Dr. Jason Fung has a clinic up in Canada. He is now reversed something like 7,000 cases of type 2 diabetes. You know, the American Diabetes Association says, oh, diabetes, you can only manage it, but you can never cure it. And that's not true. What do they, and what do they give these people? They give these people sugar when they walk in. They have a bowl of chocolate on the front counter. And they tell these people to eat high carb, low fat, which worsens the diabetes. 
And then they make him take insulin shots. The, the more insulin you have in your body, the fatter you get and the sicker you get. So the American Diabetes Association is making people sicker and sicker and sicker when all they need to do is do intermittent fasting and do high fat, low carb. I think another good reframe that I've heard from Dr. Berg on YouTube. Which I I'm, love Dr. Berg. He's a great guy. And I'll make sure to link to him in the show notes as well. He has a great YouTube channel. And one of the things that he said, and I think he said this, uh, it could be somebody else, but I think it was him. He said something along the lines of, if you focus on your health, the weight loss will follow. Yes. Right. So if you just focus on getting healthy, the weight loss will just naturally be a byproduct of that. And when he said that, I thought, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. So instead of just focusing on the weight loss, what if you just focus on your overall health? And from there, the weight loss and tons of other benefits will just naturally come. Exactly. Focus on your health, not the weight loss. If you are healthy, your fat will shed off your body. And once he said that, I started to see this kind of like evidence in my own life among people that I knew. So we have somebody that you and I know, Betty Jean actually, who was on the podcast as well. She had the hardest, she had the hardest time losing weight. It was just so difficult for her. She tried all the traditional stuff as well. And guess what? She just had something weird in her stomach or something, right? Where once she had actually fixed that, like her gut health, once she fixed her gut health, guess what? She started dropping a ton of weight. And it wasn't because she was exercising more or majorly changing her diet. It was because she was focusing on being healthy. So going back to what you were saying earlier, yes, you know, there's part, you know, self-acceptance and I totally get that. But a big part is also longevity, being healthy. And the keto lifestyle is like one of many ways to get there. And I think it is one of the major impactful ways because it it has impacted me in major ways because let's face it, we all eat every single day, right? And if we can make smarter, better decisions around what we eat and how we eat and when we eat, it can affect our weight, our health, our longevity. And I highly recommend that fasting book by Jason Fung. It made me motivated to do a three-day fast. My record is now five days. And I've always heard about the benefits of fasting, but it wasn't until I got this rash that <laughs> you and I had this bet on. <laughs> uh, maybe we can talk a little bit. Should we talk a little about the story? Just real quick. And then I want to talk about the foods and then okay. like I wrap we, it up. <laughs> yeah, we have a very funny story. Can I say something about the fasting right before you tell this story? Sure. This is something that is so counterintuitive to people, right? They think, oh my God, you f- Tan, you fasted for three days? Then you tasted for, fasted for five days? Tan, that, that, that's crazy. Were, were you just... Could you barely get out of bed? Were you barely moving? Were you crawling to the bathroom just to pee? And the funny thing is, no, Mother Nature made it so that not only are we feeding off our own fat of our own body for energy, but we actually get more energy the longer you fast because Mother Nature actually does want you to go out there and find an animal and kill an animal and bring in some protein and fat again. So you actually get more energy. You become more alert. Yeah, I've noticed that too. After day two, day two I find is the hardest when you go from roughly 30 hours of fasting to 
42, 48 hours. Like mm-hmm. I find that the most difficult period. But once you go beyond that, it's actually very easy to just to continue because one, I have so much energy and I'm just not hungry anymore. I'm not thinking about food anymore. And the, and the key is, again, we, we should totally do a separate episode on fasting because I could talk about that forever too. Totally. Should but, we tell that funny story? Yes, we should. So long story short, when I was doing keto, in the beginning, I started to get this weird rash. On my, it started on my hand a little bit and then it got into my chest and then my neck and then my back and I just couldn't figure out what it was. And I felt so ashamed about it. I thought, man, I got to figure out the solution. So I started researching all this stuff and I even started taking different supplements and stuff and none of that worked. And I thought maybe it's a food allergy or something. So I even got allergy testing done, been completely negative. And I've I was like, man, what is this? And I've been on this planet for at least 30 years. If mm. I had a food allergy, I would have known it. <laughs> totally. Right? So I just didn't understand what was happening. And the only thing I could explain was, okay, Zeter, the supplement that I was taking, which was Calm, which was like a high magnesium sleep supplement, or it was this keto lifestyle, because it was only two things that really changed in my life. So I started removing the Calm supplement and then it kind of went away, but it was still there. And so I thought, okay, now it's something related to the keto lifestyle. I still couldn't figure it out. And then if you look online for something like keto rash, you'll start to see that actually a lot of similar results start to appear. A lot of people actually have this where once they go in ketosis, as they call it, some people get a rash and the only way it goes away is by eating carbs. And I was like, man, I don't want to eat carbs. I want to continue to lose all this weight because I'm just effortlessly losing all this weight. And I remember talking to you about it and he said, oh, you know, I've never seen this. Like, but Tian, one thing that will cure it all is if you fast for 72 hours for three days, it'll be gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, Scott, I'm not going to fast for 72 hours. Like th- That just sounds painful. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. But I was so motivated. And again, we humans, we get motivated when we're in a painful state. I'm thinking, oh, man, I really want to get rid of this rash. Like, I'll do this, but it's going to be worth my while because if at the end of 72 hours, it's still not gone, Scott, we cannot be friends anymore. <laughs> right? So I, we, we made a bet. And I said to you, Scott, I will do this 72-hour fast if we make this bet. If by the end of day three, the rash is not gone, you're going to buy me a really nice dinner. We're talking like $500 dinner. Right. Right. But if it is gone, then I will buy you the $500 dinner because I was so motivated to get rid of this rash. Right. You're like, if I'm going to go through three days of hell of not eating and this doesn't go away, Scott, you owe me a $500 meal at an expensive restaurant. So I was like, and if it does go away, I want that in reverse. Yes. So I started to do the fast and after 24 hours, it was still there. After day two, it was gone for the most part. It started to lessen because it was either very red or after day two, it was kind of like kind of like darkish and it started to notice that it was going away. And so after day two, I'm like, oh, man, am I really just losing this bet right now? <laughs> so after day three, it was mostly gone. And I had this conflicting feeling because one, I was really happy that it was gone, but then I also had to <laughs> buy you this dinner. Yes, and yes, you did. It was the most delicious $500 meal I've ever had. It was the only $500 meal I've ever had someone treat me to. 
And it was absolutely delicious. Can we put photographs in the show notes or no? Is that is that possible or no? Uh, yeah, we can. We can put a photo there if you want. Oh, okay, yeah. because we have the receipt from that $500 meal <laughs> at Olami, which is an incredible restaurant here in Austin, Texas. Yes, and there's even a date on there. So you can see it. It was February of 2018. So it was literally roughly four or five weeks into my first attempt at the keto lifestyle. Uh, oh my gosh. Yes, there it is. I love it. That amazing. Right near the beginning. Yeah. And you know, you really bring up a great point there, which is that all the stuff we're talking about, including the intermittent fasting is not just about weight loss because what was happening there with you was probably what was happening was autophagy or something, or maybe rebuilding the immune system. What I have read about intermittent fasting is that the longer you go, the better effects it has on your body. So after like a day or two, something like that, I'll have to look up these exact numbers, but after a day or two of intermittent fasting, I mean, I mean a fasting completely, right? Where you haven't eaten for 24 to 48 hours. That's what I mean. Your body goes through autophagy, starts autophagy, meaning that it like eats all the old damaged cells. It like recycles through the damaged cells and recreates them. And, you know, it, it flushes out like bad cells from your body. And after 72 hours of fasting, of not eating at all, there is a study that shows that your immune system rebuilds itself. It starts regenerating stem cells again. And then in one book I read, it said that after seven days of fasting, it starves most of the cancer cells in the body. I guess these are cancer cells that haven't fully taken over yet. And it starves cancer cells and flushes them out of the system. So this intermittent fasting you know, does all sorts of incredible things to the human body. In your case, don't know what, tr- what actually triggered it, but it got rid of your rash. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So after that, I was a believer in fasting. And I've always heard about the 72-hour fast, how it rebuilds your immune system. Tim Ferriss talks a lot about this on his blog podcast and in his book, Tools of Titans. So I've always heard about this, even for many years. But again, who is motivated enough to just go, oh, let me just not eat for three days and see what happens, right? Like Usually we have some sort of pain going on that really motivates us to not eat because, again, eating has a pleasurable experience for most people, at least for me on a daily basis it is. And I'm thinking, okay, I needed to be in this pain to actually do it. And I'm glad I went through that because now I've done multiple three day fast, four day fast, five days fast. And I kind of try to do it like once a month now, if I can, if not uh, once a quarter at bare minimum, like I do 24 hour fasting pretty much once a week and then 18 hour fast pretty much every day. And sometimes I'll go for a 36 if I had like kind of a big cheat meal mm-hmm. and I kind of want to like, you know, stay off the uh, the excess weight. So then I'll do a 36 hour fast after that. But otherwise, yeah, I've just read too many benefits about longevity, your health and insulin levels and stuff like that, where it's not, again, part of a lifestyle, right? So I highly recommend that book. Again, we'll have it in the show notes, but let's talk about foods because I want to kind of wrap it up with some actionable stuff that people can do. Yeah. And as always, when people listen to the Productivity Show and follow Asian Efficiency, they can always expect simple, actionable things. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is, I know some people are wondering as well, 
Okay, if you're eating high fat, low carb, and again, low carb, ideally 25 grams net carbs or less or 20 grams and moderate medium protein, which I believe is like 50 to 70 grams, I believe, of protein for most people. Yeah, and maybe even, and it could actually maybe be even a little more, especially if you're working out a lot. Yeah, I've you and I have been talking about this offline. I can actually eat 120 grams of protein every day and still be in ketosis. It, it kind of varies, but high fat, moderate protein, low carb, right? Yeah, so I would like to look at maybe like a percentage of calories. I would say try to hit 75 to 80 percent of your calories as fat. Yep. So when it comes to food, then what do you recommend that people eat or Another way of saying this, like, what do you eat on a daily or weekly basis to kind of give people an idea of what to expect? Because do we want people all of a sudden start eating cheese and add butter to everything? Mm-hmm. Or like, how do we start on something like this? Right. Yeah, those are good questions. And one of the things is if you do find that even with eating these high fat foods and the intermittent fasting that you're having difficulty losing weight, you might have to slow down on the dairy and the nuts. A little bit because a lot of dairy is still high in carbs and a lot of nuts are high in carbs. So there are high fat, low carb nuts and dairy. Like, for example, heavy whipping cream still has some carbs in it, but better than whole milk. And whole milk is significantly, significantly better than skim milk or non-fat milk. So like if you're looking at like dairy in, in the milk region, you'd want to have more heavy whipping cream than any of those other things if you're not gaining weight from having the dairy because there's still even a little bit of sugar in the heavy whipping cream. Butter is a fantastic dairy item to have because it's 100% pure fat. No sugars at all in that. And nuts, there are some nuts that are better than others. Like macadamia nuts are considered almost the perfect nut because I guess they're the highest in fat and the lowest in carbs. But yeah, that was just sort of a little asterisk on nuts and dairy. But getting back to your question on what does my day look like? What can people eat? I think the real beauty of this is that suddenly all the foods that we were told to stay away from suddenly become accessible and available to us again. So we're talking egg yolks and bacon. You know, don't just do your egg egg whites. That's the protein. The yolks is where the fat is. So egg yolks and bacon. You know, delicious fatty sausages, avocados and guacamole. Absolutely wonderful. You know, not only is avocado filled with potassium, which once you do keto, you actually will, your body will feel like it needs more potassium. So not only does it fulfill your potassium requirements, but it's also super delicious and super high in fat, which is great. Butter, add butter to everything. High fat cheeses. So right there, just in those things I said, that right there is an amazing breakfast, right? You can make eggs with bacon or sausage with cheese and avocado on top. I'm getting hungry even thinking about this. I like to do spoonfuls of sour cream. This is sort of like one of the breakfasts I make for myself on the days when I am eating breakfast, FYI, because a lot of times I'll be just going dinner to dinner to dinner, or I'll have this breakfast food at dinner time, you know. But I do many spoonfuls of sour cream, which also is almost entirely fat, which is good. Make sure, once again, that whenever you're getting these things, you're looking for the high fat versions, the full fat versions of this. You don't want the non fat sour cream. 
that would not be helpful. You can also get coconut milk-based yogurt where there's no sugar added or even yogurt if it's got more fat in it. Like you want plain yogurt, no sugar added, and ideally double cream yogurt. There's this one brand, I think it's called Stonyfield, I believe, Stonyfield yogurt, and they make double cream yogurt so there's more fat content than protein or carbs in it. Still has carbs in it because milk has sugar in it, but it's got more fat than anything else. It's delicious. And I like doing that with raw cacao nibs because those are also high in fat. Hemp seeds, any sort of seeds are really good. Many nuts are good. Almonds, almond butter, walnuts, walnut butter, macadamias are considered the best. If you're going to be baking with stuff, you could do coconut flour, hazelnut flour, flaxseed meal. Those things are higher in fats, lower in carbs. Lots of grass-fed butter. Add butter to everything. Coconut flakes. I put that on top of my yogurt. Coconut oil. You could do spoonfuls of coconut oil. You can also, if you're going to make coffee or tea, you know, everyone talks about bulletproof coffee. Though That's taking your coffee and adding in fats into your coffee and blending it in with like a little immersion blender. You could put coconut oil in. I do this all the time. I'll have black coffee and I'll put in like four tablespoons of coconut oil. I'll put in like an entire stick of butter. What else do I add to it? Uh, I put salt in it. You want to make sure when you're doing keto that you still get your electrolytes of salt, potassium. There's a few other important electrolytes. You want to make sure you're getting your electrolytes. I put raw eggs into my coffee as well and I blend it all together. So I do, you know, I get all those egg yolks. So the egg yolks, the coconut oil, and the butter and salt all goes into my coffee with me. And that's like my delicious high-fat drink that I make for myself. Other things you can eat are high-fat cottage cheese, not the non-fat cottage cheese, once again. Any sort of meats, like grass-fed ribeye steaks. Grass-fed is the best because you get the omega-3 from that but you want to have high fat meat so you want ribeye steaks you want pork bellies you want chicken with the skin on because the skin is where the fat is you don't want you know skinless chicken there's fatty fishes salmon sardines mackerels so we, we can list all the foods that you've mentioned here Ah, and, okay, cool. And that will make it easy for people to reference as well. So if you're listening, you're wondering, oh man, should I write all of this down? Just go to the show notes of this episode and we'll have a list of everything. And I think one way to approach this, knowing what we know now, is to always choose the fatty option over everything else, right? So if you have yogurt, choose the fatty yogurt over the regular yogurt or the non-fat yogurt. If you're choosing milk, choose the fatty milk over whatever, right? And then again, keep it low carb because again, if we didn't emphasize this enough, the worst combination is to eat high fat and high carb because then you're going to put on a lot of weight. (laughs) Right, right. This is the funny thing. People often say stuff like they're like, well, you know, what you're saying is BS because I was eating tons and tons of hamburgers and I was gaining weight. And they're like, but then once I cut the hamburgers out of my diet and I went to salads, I started losing weight. Now, two things. One, that lo- that weight loss is going to be temporary if you're not doing high fat, low carb. Um, and, uh, so that's one thing. But number two is it wasn't the burger that was causing the weight gain. It was the bun. It was those French fries you were adding to the burger. It was the milkshake 
or the Coca-Cola you were having with the burger. It was not the meat, cheese, bacon, pickles, onions, tomatoes, lettuce. That was not what's causing your weight gain. Yes, and most people, when they don't do keto well, meaning 75, 80% of the calories is not from fat, that's why they're failing, right? So that's something I really want to emphasize here because if you're doing this or maybe you've even tried the keto thing altogether, but you've not been successful at it, really think through, okay, did you actually get most of your calories from fat? Did you actually keep it low carb under 30, ideally 25, 20? Because then like, it's almost like a guarantee you're going to lose weight. So yeah, this is one of the things I, I, I work with with my clients is that I'm very compassionate about what they're going through. You know, I'm very empathetic. I work one on one with them. And when they get frustrated because it's it's not happening, what I'll do is I'll sit down with them, we analyze what's in their kitchen cabinets, we analyze what they've eaten every day, and just like you said, more often than not, their diets are so so low in fat still. And a lot of people get frustrated because once you leave the confines of your own kitchen, it's really, really hard to find these high-fat foods because we live in a society that has been brainwashed. Everywhere you go, every grocery store, every restaurant, they're cooking in low-fat, in these terrible vegetable oils. They're giving you low-fat meals. So it's hard. It's hard. And I can empathize with people who are going through this. And so when I work with people just like me and you work together on this, we found some good hacks to make this work in our own kitchen, how to easily find this food when we're going shopping. And once again, quick keto hack, bring a bottle of olive oil with you anywhere you go. Bring a stick of butter with you anywhere you go. Boom. You just turned your meal into a high fat meal. Reminds me of my dad. Every time we would go out for dinner, he would bring his own hot sauce and his Ah. own pepper because Food would never be spicy enough for him. (laughs) But I want to offer some other practical tips and tools as well. So if you're like me and you're really lazy and you don't want to think about a lot of things, one of the meal delivery services that I use is called Keto Fridge. So you can go to ketofridge.com and I'll have a link in the show notes as well. And this company is basically specialized in keto foods. So every meal that you order is high fat, low carb, medium, moderate protein, And I've been using them for almost a year now. And that's pretty much all I eat five days in a week. All I do is eat keto fridge food. And that's literally how I survive because you can ask all the people in my life, I have not cooked in the last five years. I still don't know how to cook. And the only way I can survive is through meal delivery (laughs) over the last year. That's what I've been living on. So keto fridge is super practical. If you're like me, eat five days out of seven days at home. It'll cost you around 200 bucks a week or so. And basically you warm up your food, you eat it and you're good to go. So it saves a lot of time. And I've written a blog post about this, how it's much time I save. And the cool thing is my executive assistant now orders the foods for me and she knows what I like and what I don't like. So every time it shows up every week, which is usually a Wednesday, it's kind of like a Christmas present every single week because one, I have no idea what I'm eating. And two, when I open it up, I look all these. I look at all these delicious meals and go, "Oh man, I'm gonna have keto pizza this week. I'm gonna have keto bagels. I'm gonna have this peanut butter cup mm. and, it's, and ice cream. And it's just cookies and it's I'm just delicious." I'm so glad you brought up the ice cream because that was something I was gonna mention. One of the greatest, greatest things you're gonna discover on the keto lifestyle is keto ice cream. 
Because what is ice cream? It's cream and butter. It, that's what it ideally should be, right? Well, it, it used to be all sugars. Right, exactly. Exactly. You mean you're saying the bad ice cream? Right. The ice cream you and I eat now is mostly fat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. These keto ice creams are unbelievable because it's they're basically just a couple of ingredients. Eggs, butter, heavy whipping cream, and they sweeten it with these special sugar alcohols, which your body doesn't process as sugar, so it doesn't increase your carb intake. Yes. And Scott and I are always sharing our notes when it comes to the best ice cream. Yes. And in my personal opinion, the mammoth ice cream is by far the tastiest and the best. That was my vote as well for the best. Mammoth creameries. I They're available locally in Austin. I don't know if they sell them online. I haven't checked their website, but I do know one keto ice cream company. This is my second favorite. They're called Killer Creameries. And they do ship online. They make a peanut butter bacon chocolate keto ice cream. It's called Piggy Butter. It's incredible. They ship it. It's my second favorite. Mammoth Creameries, just like you, Tan, is my first favorite. And I've heard that Rebel Creameries is really good too, but I have not had a chance to try them yet. Okay, well, that's something you and I will just have to try at some point. (laughs) Other practical tips I want to offer is especially when it comes to your social life or you go out for dinner, the way I usually approach it when it comes to sticking to keto as much as possible is to just think about being as low carb as possible. So if I go out for dinner, there's a lot of variables that are just not under our control. Now, we are fortunate, you and I, Scott, are fortunate to live in Austin where there's there are a bunch of places where you can get keto-friendly food and you can actually be okay just ordering whatever is on the menu and be totally fine. But for those who are listening, you might not be in the States, you might be in other countries or areas where being keto is somewhat difficult. And what I find what really works for me is to just take the approach of being low-carb as possible. So when I go for dinner... I try to eat a lot of salads and then add a lot of oil on top of that or butter if I can. The other thing I like to do is just eat high protein. So I'll have like a fatty steak. For example, if I go to a steakhouse, my number one order will always be a ribeye. It's Mm -hmm. the fattiest steak that you can order, right? And steakhouses are actually great places to eat out because you can have a fatty steak like a ribeye. You can have cream spinach, which is high fat, Mm-hmm. Right, you can have all these butters, you can have all these different side dishes that are like either veggies or high fat. And going to a steakhouse is actually a great option to stay keto. So I usually just approach it from okay, let's try to keep it low carb as possible. So salads and meats and steaks is the way to go. And you know what? Every now and then, if you cheat, it's totally fine. I have French fries all the time. You know, I love eating carbs every now and then as well. Actually, this is a little bit more of an advanced tip. I usually carb load, which means I basically spent one day eating a ton of carbs, like 150 grams, 200 grams of carbs, once every 10 days or so, or once every two weeks. And there's some science behind it that is actually healthy and stuff, but I also just find it enjoyable to eat those foods every now and then. Yeah, and you know, Dr. Mercola, will list his website and his, one of his books in the show notes, He is a huge, huge, another doctor who's a huge, huge proponent of the keto lifestyle. 
And he talks about on his website all the time uh, about carb cycling, what you were talking about, where one day a week or once every two weeks, you actually bring a lot of carbs in just for that one day. And then you go back to keto again. And I actually forgot why he said that was so helpful, but I will have to search his website later. But there was some sort of biological advantage to doing that. How does it make you feel when you do that? I look forward to it. I mean, I've been fat adapted now where if I eat so many carbs in one day, I can get back in ketosis in about 24 hours. 24 hours of not eating at all. No, from just like going back to the keto. Oh, I see. Yeah. So my body is pretty fast like that now. And that's just, you know, after being a couple months of being pretty strict on keto. So I actually really enjoy those meals. I, sometimes I'll do it once a week and I'll, it'll work out perfectly because I usually like to go out on a Friday or Saturday and just eat whatever I want to eat. And then after that, like just be back on my normal diet and, you know, off we go. So I find it very easy to live my life that way. And also when I travel, I find that it it's very freeing to not to stick to being strictly keto because now I can add carbs and introduce some of those foods into what I'm eating. But also I feel so empowered that now that I'm able to fast, it's almost like a tool to you know, reverse whatever I ate. So I can go on a trip, eat all the delicious foods and then come home and just fast and basically get rid of all the excess weight and I'm like back to normal again. So it's very freeing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's great to think of it like that as a tool, you know, if you're traveling and or you're you're feeling like carbs, like don't feel like so incredibly restricted that you can't just do something else for a short amount of time. So I want to wrap it up with some other foods and then I want to hear some of your actionable tips at the end, Scott, before we uh, close this podcast today, which has been super helpful, I think. And everybody that's listening up to this point must be going, oh man, this is great information, super actionable. What is one or two other things that you eat and that you love, enjoy making, eating, consuming? That is a great question. I just recently discovered, this is my newest favorite snack. And I just introduced you to this a few weeks ago, Tan. There's these things called keto cups. And they're like little recess peanut butter cups, although there's no peanut butter in them. They're made from raw cacao, coconut oil, or maybe it's, oh, it's coconut butter, MCT oil, and it's sweetened with a little bit of monk fruit. Monk fruit is very, very low in carbs, but it tastes incredibly, incredibly, incredibly sweet. So just one gram of sugar is what you get from monk fruit. And yet it tastes so incredibly sweet. What, what I'm saying is one, uh, each one of these cups has one gram of sugar in it. So that's one of my favorite little treats. What are some of my other treats? I really love, uh, my body's able to handle dairy and I really love this whipped cream cheese. It's full fat cream cheese that I get from uh, Whole Foods, the local Texas brand. I don't know if this will be available everywhere. Really love that. I love drinking heavy whipping cream. Again, I do a lot of the dairy stuff. One thing I do avoid, which we didn't mention in the podcast, are vegetable oils. Like people think that canola oil, soybean oil, things like those are healthy. Those are actually not. Those actually have trans fats in them. So those are the bad fats for us. And they actually clog the arteries. They raise the bad cholesterol. 
they cause all sorts of problems. So when you're cooking with oils, you want to stick to the saturated fat oils. You don't want the vegetable oils. Olive oil is fine. Olive is a fruit. Avocado oil is fine. Avocado is a fruit. And those oils are great for you. But other oils, ghee, lard, duck fat, beef fat, which I think is called tallow. So the thing is you want to stick to the animal oils or the fruit oils, not the vegetable oils. So unfortunately, getting French fries almost anywhere in America, it's going to be cooked in canola oil unless you live in Austin and you have picnic, which they fry everything and cook everything in avocado oil, the healthy oil. I will say French fries in duck fat taste amazing. Where did you find those? I was just in Toronto or as the Canadians would say, Toronto. (laughs) And I went, I forgot where I went. It was a steakhouse. And I just had to try their duck fat fries. And they actually have one here in Austin as well. Oh, um, they do? We got to go check it out. I forgot what it's called. It's on the east side. I'll have you to. You got to check it out. I'll have to find it for you. You know what one of my other special treats are? This is one of my big treats. I do this a lot. I take two avocados. I scoop them out. Salty Sow. That's the restaurant. Oh, Salty Sow? Yeah. Great. We should yeah. go there sometime. Yep. Great Let's food. That. Yeah, this is what I do. Uh, this is one of my big treats. I do this. Probably almost every day. I take two avocados. I sort of like chop it up in a bowl a little bit with a knife. And then I pour olive oil all over the avocados. I will chop up some hard boiled eggs. I put them on top of the avocados. And then I'll put some bacon bits on top of it. And that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) There is a lot of chopping. This is coming from a guy who doesn't cook. (laughs) Oh, I know. You know what? I actually should post some. I also have this thing I make called ribeye salad. And I, that is a lot of work. Tan, that would be way, way too much work for you. But let me tell you what's in it. It is ribeye steak, crumbled goat cheese, shredded cheddar cheese, romaine lettuce, avocado, ranch dressing. Sir Kensington makes all sorts of dressings that are made with avocado oil, not with the poisonous canola oil. You can get them at Whole Foods. Ranch dressing olive oil, chopped garlic, eggs, and sour cream. That sounds delicious. Does that sound like a lot of work? Minus the sour cream. I'm I'm not a big fan of the sour cream. cream. Leave the sour cream off. So basically, I I basically cook the ribeye steak, and then I add all the other ingredients. I mean, it does take a while. It takes like about an hour to make. That does sound like a lot of work, yeah. Yeah. Let me share maybe two or three of the quicker ones that I like. Oh, you were looking for quick ones for your listeners. I apologize. I went long. No, no. I'm, I'm just Mr. Efficient. I like to eat my meal within two minutes if I can. Oh, okay. Okay. Or without too much effort. <laughs> so one is I like to buy these meatballs from Trader Joe's. So they're high protein, low carb, and then put them in the microwave and they're done in like two and a half minutes. And then you add the Sir Kensington Mayo that's avocado oil based on mm. top of that. You have like high protein, lots of fat in there as well. Then I've talked about this in another podcast episode many weeks ago. But one of my favorite new snacks is the Quest nacho chips. Oh, I have not heard of these. I have a ton of, I don't know if I have them here right now, but they're basically high protein. So each bag of chips is kind of like the nacho chips from Doritos. I love those, Mm. but they're high protein, moderate fat, low carb. So it's a great way to increase your protein intake, especially if you're working out and stuff. They're like moderate in fat as well and low carb. So I love the Quest nacho chips. Highly mm. recommend them. You can find them on Amazon. 
And then the third one is actually one you and I learned at a cooking class a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember this. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite dishes, we went, you and I went to a uh, baking class. Mm-hmm. And who knew you could make delicious chocolate desserts with bacon? But mm. um, one of the favorite meals that we learned there was you take an avocado, you slice it up, and then you wrap it up in bacon. And then you stick it into the oven for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. And then the bacon gets all crispy, but the avocado just gets a little bit softer. And then when you take it out, you add like sriracha sauce on top of that. You mm. put some pepper on top. And all you have is just high fat food right there. A little bit of protein because of the bacon. You add some sriracha to add some kick to it. A little bit of pepper. It takes less than two minutes to prepare. And, you know, maybe 20 minutes in the oven. And again, you know, this is coming from a guy who doesn't know how to cook. <laughs> this is delicious. That is amazing. Do you realize I'm embarrassed to say that I've never made that since that cooking class that night? And that's so easy. It's so easy and so I've delicious. I've got to make that. Yeah, so definitely go do that. You know, I'm having avocado on this plate over here and I'm frying up my bacon in this pan over here. But I've actually never done the wrapping the avocado and then baking it. Yeah, so... <laughs> The reason I uh, remember that is because one of the keto fridge meals that they ship is where you have a whole avocado wrapped in bacon oh. and then the inside is stuffed with either crab meat or like like a shredded chicken or something. So it's always full of surprises and it's just a good reminder. Oh, that sounds incredible. How delicious it is. Yeah. That sounds very delicious. You reminded me of something that I do that's easier than the ribeye salad, which is my ground beef taco salad. You get the ground beef, you know, it's already ground from the supermarket and you get the high, the highest fat ground beef you can find. So you're not talking about 90%, 95% lean. Right, right, right. I I try to get like, right. The one that's I find most commonly is 85%. And every once in a while, like I think I found one that was like 75 or 80%, but like the right 85% is the one that's most consistently available that has the highest amount of fat. But if you can get better, if you can get 75% lean, then that's that's even better. So yeah, I get the ground beef. And then very, very simply, you just put some ghee in the pan or you could put whatever you want. You put duck fat in your pan or whatever. And you just fry up your ground beef. It only takes a few minutes. And then you put it in a bowl and you cover it up with sour cream, guacamole, green pepper or orange pepper or red pepper, some salsa, chopped garlic, red onion, jalapeno. I put sprouts on mine. It's just very, very easy. I mean, yes, there is some chopping involved. You have to chop up the green pepper and you have to chop up the onion and the garlic. So there is a little prep, but you can- Sounds, sounds like a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's, it's a moderate amount of work. But dietdoctor.com has amazing recipes, and I believe that they even show you the time it takes for recipes. They've got like hundreds of recipes. All right, so we've talked a lot of our favorite dishes. One more, just to throw it in there, and then we can talk about some actionable steps at the end here. So one of my favorite things, this is actually inspired by Picnic, where you and I go for dinner sometimes just to kind of catch up and eat some healthy, high-fat foods is their bone broth, right? Oh yeah, bone broth. So I actually like this brand called Kettle and Fire. They have this special bone broth where it actually is mixed with apple cider vinegar. So you get apple cider vinegar, bone broth in one mix. And it sounds weird, but it's actually very good. You put that in a microwave for one minute. It's all heated up. Then you add the Brain Octane by Bulletproof. 
So it's all MCT oil. Then yet, I think it's called Fourth in Heaven, the ghee butter that I told you about. It mm. has the Himalayan salt in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Fourth in Heaven. But if you look on Amazon, like Fourth and ghee butter, you'll find it. And we'll add it in the show notes as well. Then you just add tons of tablespoons of that because it's all fat, you know? Mm. And then you just add some curry sauce or curry spice, turmeric, black pepper, some hot spices if you want to give it a little bit of a kick. You just add all these little things of that you have in your kitchen counter somewhere. <laughs> you just mix it in there. And then the key is, and what I found is, don't mix it with your spoon. But if you get a milk frother, mm. then put it in there. So instead of like, actually putting it in a mixer or something or like a big shaker, just get a milk frother, put it in there, let it, let it frost a little bit. And then you have this delicious little mm. health cocktail, as I call it. And I was drinking this every day when I was recovering from surgery because I needed the bone broth to help speed up the recovery. Mm-hmm. And I just made it a healthy version of what we have at picnic uh, all the time. And it's high fat, super healthy, and has all the spices that you want to add to your life. And if you ever need an excuse to add those spices in there, like turmeric, which is super healthy for inflammation and all that stuff, like super easy. Super and the bone broth you were taking because of the collagen content of the bone mm-hmm. broth and yep. how healthy that is with all the minerals and stuff. Yep, exactly. Incredible. You know, what's so funny is, isn't it, isn't it truly amazing that once you go with the keto lifestyle, this is something I hear from my keto coaching clients all the time, which is that they can't believe that the most delicious foods on the planet are suddenly all accessible to us again. The ones we had been told to avoid for so long, the butter, the cream, the, you know, the fatty cuts of meat, all this wonderful stuff, the fatty cheeses, not the non-fat cheeses, but those fatty breeze, you know, we, you and me love brie cheese. Isn't it amazing that all the world's most delicious foods are suddenly available to us again and they're the healthiest? Yeah, that's why I love following the keto lifestyle because I can eat all this delicious food. And then when I do the carb cycling or the carb loading, I can then go out and eat my French fries and like maybe eat the like the regular pizza again and whatever carbs I want to eat. I have that for a day, feel happy and good about it and just go back to my normal keto lifestyle. And so I, I really enjoy that. So Scott, to end our podcast today, can you share maybe some actionable takeaways? Mm-hmm. Because when people listen to the productivity show and follow Asian efficiency, they always like to have actionable information that they can implement. So I know we've been talking about for almost two hours, but if you had to just summarize some of the most important things that you want people to take action on, what would that be? Something simple, perhaps, that they can do right away and maybe feel good about themselves almost immediately. Number one, I would say start by skipping breakfast every day. Very, very simple action you can take that gets your body slowly accustomed to intermittent fasting. You could still have black coffee in the morning. You could still have black tea or green tea. Just don't add sugar or cream to it. And just see how long you can go before you need to eat lunch. That'll give your body a little extra time to burn some of that stored fat that's on your body. Number two, I would say do what your dad does. But instead of bringing the hot sauce with him to every meal, I would say start getting in the habit of turning any normal meal into a high-fat meal. 
And you actually brought up the Sir Kensington mayo, which I had forgotten about. Any avocado oil-based mayo or dressing or olive oil or sticks of butter. So add butter, olive oil, mayo, or ranch dressing, as long as it's made with avocado oil. Add it to any meal. You'll make your meal instantly high fat. And then the third actionable item is, I would say... Guys, I'm actually coming with like five or six actionable items in my head, but let's do a th- let's just do a third one. I would say remove as many sugars and carbs as you can from your own kitchen pantry. So, in a way, making your own kitchen sort of a safe haven where everything that's within reach is high fat, low carb. Once you walk out into the real world, it'll be hard enough to stay away from carbs and sugar because they're everywhere. But try to make your own kitchen a sanctuary. And you can eat through the carbs if you want. Like if you've got six bags of Doritos there and you don't just want to throw them away, you know what? Have a last hurrah. Eat through them as you get rid of them. But what I would say is try to remove as many sugars and carbs and grains and breads and vegetable oils from your kitchen as you can. I love those tips. Very simple, very actionable. And I think something everybody could benefit from. And as you've seen from walking around my kitchen, there's only healthy keto foods around here. So if you limit the decisions that you have to make around what to eat whenever you're hungry, it makes it a lot easier for you to stick to this. I really love that tip. So Scott, thank you so much for this wonderful episode. Well, thank you so much. I learned so much and I hope the listeners did as well. If people want to find out more about you, your keto coaching and all the other things that you're up to, where should they go? They should go to my website, which is theinspirationalnerd.com. And when you go to my website, you'll see that I do keto coaching. I'm working on a keto course that will be available soon. And I also do public speaking on keto and other topics. I also coach other public speakers as well. So in essence, I call myself a transformational coach and an inspirational speaker. And you can learn all about me at theinspirationalnerd.com. I'm also going to be offering a 10% off discount to any listeners of this podcast who want keto coaching with me. So all they have to do is contact me, say they heard about me from your podcast, and they will get a 10% off Asian efficiency discount for my keto coaching. And I'm offering that until June 30th, 2019. Awesome. Well, thank you, Scott, for doing that for all of our listeners here. And thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much. It was a great pleasure to be here, Tan. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get things done. You should be able to get everything done in the time you have. That's why we've built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, increase your energy, and get you more focused. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and within two minutes of taking the productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Don't let lack of energy drag you down and stop sacrificing your health and family to get things done. 
Take the quest today, and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 244. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or star in Overcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday. Productive Monday.